If you follow me on Instagram stories, you'll know I love a good weight session, but this was not always the case. I used to be that person who thought five pound dumbbells were the max I should use. After having my kids and suffering from chronic pain due to my pregnancy, nursing, and carrying them around, I started working with a personal trainer. And before I knew it, really it took a couple of years, I guess, before I was lifting weights that were heavy, but all of a sudden I realized I had become a weightlifter. There are so many misconceptions and fads around fitness that can really overcomplicate things and also damage our relationship with exercise. But it is such an important part of our health. So I wanted to bring you a conversation that brought the real goods about fitness and strength training, particularly for women. When I thought of this topic, I immediately thought of Samantha Montpetit-Huin. She is a personal trainer and go-to women's fitness expert, and she does not hold back. I encourage you to follow her on Instagram. I'll put all of her links in the show notes. She's at Sam Core Trainer, but she really tells it straight. And so in this conversation, we covered a fair bit of ground. We talked about why women should weight train, simple ways to get more movement into your day, how fitness can affect hormones, how to set fitness goals that don't revolve around the scale, what you should know or do before, nope, scratch that last point, the mindset hacks and myths you need to succeed and more. I hope you enjoy this conversation and let me know. Do you lift weights? Does this encourage you to start looking at fitness differently? After you listen, I would love to hear from you over on Instagram at Emma underscore green at home. Let's get into the conversation. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. Hi, Samantha. It's so good to have you here. Yay. Thank you so much for asking me to come. I'm excited. I am excited for this conversation as well. Before we dive in, can you share a little bit more about you and what you do? Sure. I am 50 years old. I can't believe I'm saying that because I totally feel like I'm 25. I have two teenage girls, 15 and 19. I have been in the fitness industry for almost 20 years. So I feel like a bit of a dinosaur. It is what it is. But that's just numbers. Numbers don't mean anything. I have a real passion for health and fitness. And it started after I had my first daughter. I shouldn't say that because I joined my first gym when I was 18. But really focusing on strength. And back then, it was focusing on pre and postnatal core and pelvic health 
myself and really just being the first ones to talk about it in Canada and talking about diastases and pelvic organ prolapse and all sorts of things. And then it just morphed over the years. And that now that I'm 50 and menopausal, because I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret, which everybody on the podcast can hear too. I had a hysterectomy eight years ago. So I have no idea where I am. Have I gone through menopause? Am I going through? I don't know, which is okay because I manage it well. But now I'm finding that I'm working more with women who are, you know, in their forties and older who are dealing with hormonal issues and trying to take, trying to finally take care of themselves because their kids are older now. And they finally just woke up one day and said, what the hell? I need to do something for myself. So that's it in a nutshell. I love it. And that's one of the reasons that I asked you onto the show, because I think there's a time in our lives where we do wake up and realize, oh, we've been taking care of everybody else. What about me? And what does that look like? And I came to that realization a bit sooner. So I'm on that journey myself now. And I personally have always been active. But when I had my kids I didn't go back to the same kind of working out. I like sports. I've never really liked the gym, but I was in so much pain after having my second kid between pregnancy and nursing and carrying and all of that jazz. I was just broken. And I went, it was, I don't know what it was. It was a long time saying, oh, I've got a weight bench and weights in my basement. I'll work out at home and never doing it. That's when I discovered weightlifting. And I had, you made a post about it a little while ago about how women were told five pounds and do your little curls. And that was it. And that was kind of my extent of weights. But now I'm hooked on heavy lifting. And so yeah. you talk about this a fair bit. And I wanted to have you come on and talk about why fitness and weight training in particular is important for women and our health because you do such a good job at breaking it down. So with oh, that thank you. lengthy preamble, tell us about weight training and how it fits in an overall fitness program for women and why it's so important. Okay. Well, I mean, there's so many reasons why women should weight train. First, let me just say there was, she, I don't know if she still says this, but there was a very famous fitness instructor who was like the instructor of the stars who she had an infomercial that was about 10 years ago. And she said, ladies, no lady should lift heavier than four pounds. And oh I almost God. fell off my chair. I was like, what? Some people's water bottles are four pounds. Anyways, and I was still working a lot with pre and postnatal women. And so women would say that to me, go, oh, but you know, I really shouldn't lift anything. Or my doctor told me to lift heavy. And I was like, well, how heavy is your kid? Oh, nine pounds, 12 pounds, 15 pounds. I said, oh, so you don't pick up your child? And, and it was just like this light bulb would go off. And I was like, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life. So really, there's so many reasons why you should weight train. But the first and foremost is for functionality. So you can move around your life functioning like a normal human. So you can pick up your kid. Cause I don't know about you, but I always said with my second kid, I was like, Oh, you just wait the minute she starts walking. I'm going to stop carrying her. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't do that. I was carrying her till she was about 10. And honestly, now because they're teenagers and they want nothing to do with me, if they asked me to carry them, I probably would be. <laughs> be like, Oh my God, my babies are back. But really like it's, it is, 
it's such an integral part of our lives. We need this. And one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is once you hit 40, we start losing muscle a lot faster than we want. It's not a good thing. And then once you hit menopause, you actually lose muscle faster than you can create it. Really? Which is scary. Yeah. Why do we lose muscle after 40? Well, because just because we're not, if we're, if you're not taxing your muscle, if you're not building it, your muscle starts to atrophy. So I remember when I went to personal training school back in the day, and it was if you don't start go- going, loading that muscle again, your muscle starts to atrophy within 72 hours. You think about when you go to the gym, if you're only doing legs once a week, And I'm not saying that you've lost everything that you've created within that week, but you start losing some. And so that's why you want to be consistent with anything. It's just the same thing if you're going out for a run. If you only go out for a run once a week, not to say that it's all for nothing, something is always better than nothing, but you want to be consistent. Your heart, which is also a muscle, gets the same advantages if you going into the weight room and you're lifting heavy weight, right? Because the whole point of you lifting heavy is you're building muscle. When you build muscle, you literally just never mind the fact that it's for functional reasons. So you can move around your world and actually lift things and do things and not have to worry about, I'm going to ask my neighbor to move this for me. I'm going to ask my husband. You could actually do it yourself, which is very empowering. You feel very confident. You feel like I can totally do this. It's so true. Yeah. Like when I have clients who say to me, I want to do 10 pushups. I'm like, yes. And then when they do it, they feel like they can take on the world. Like you can't match that with, I know we're going to talk about later with the scale, but you can't match that with a number on the scale because that really trumps so many other things. And then also it helps just your structure. The more muscle mass you have, you're able to walk around You're with less pain. You're actually able to stand up straight. And I can tell you this, ladies, for those of you who slip and fall as we get older and we worry about these things, doing all the cardio in the world isn't going to help stop you from breaking the hip. It's the muscle that's going to help you. That is what's going to support you structurally right? So that's really important. So definitely helps with bone density. And if you are looking for weight loss, I am telling you right now, if you had a choice, if you had 30 minutes in a day, if you had a choice between cardio and strength training, and you wanted to lose weight, strength training every single time. Well, that's helpful. 100%. Because strength training, the more muscle mass you have, the more efficient your, your, your body is. So the more calories you burn at rest, you actually raise your resting metabolic rate. So that is, again, the amount of calories you sit around just watching TV, right? So you don't get that, especially with long, steady cardio. So you could do HIT. And HIT is a combination of doing some cardio and strength. And, and HIT so stands some for high impact intensity, intensity training. Yeah, it's a high intensity interval training. But again, you don't want to do that too much because we'll talk about this because that can be too much stress on the body as well. There's got to be somewhat of a balance, but I'm telling you, strength trumps cardio every single time. Unless you want to train for a marathon, then obviously you have to do your cardio. But the thing is about runners as well, is that a lot of of problems with runners is all they do is run. They don't cross train, they don't do any strength training, which will help them be more efficient machines, which will help them reduce the chances of injury. So strength training really is like the magic sauce. And it really helps to change the shape of your body. Like you can literally change the shape of your body by building muscle and doing cardio doesn't do that. I used to be a runner as a kid. That was my jam. And Mm -hmm. I used to, I joked like my legs were super strong as a result, but I had no arm strength at all because I did 
nothing. All of my sports were leg based. Yeah. And so I'm still terrible at push ups, but I can at least lift weights and do things with weights now. And I have biceps for the first time ever. And it's, it's just super cool to even walk. It's, it's so weird that I'm admitting this, but I'll like flex in front of the mirror because it's a reminder of what I've done to yes. build that. And it is yes. empowering. Yes, it totally right? regardless feel like- of what your size or what your ideal yeah. body shape is, there is a level of empowerment there, I think, of seeing that muscle and the results of your efforts, right? Yeah. And saying, I did that. I was on a call with one of my clients the other day and she goes, I flexed my quad. I could see it. She goes, the line? And so I'm like, yeah. She goes, I saw the line. I'm like, woohoo, she saw the line. But yeah, runners, because the age of the majority of my clients now, they're in their 40s and older. A lot of them are past runners. And I can tell you, a good, even runners aside, a good 50% of my clients, hip pain, back pain, knee pain, because they just do the same old, same old, and they don't work on the underlying structures that help you to run or do these other activities. All they do is run until eventually it catches up with them. And they're like, oh, I bent over and I threw my back out. It wasn't your, it wasn't you bending over that threw your back out. It was years and years and years of bad body mechanics and you ignoring all the other things that are necessary, right? Yeah. And I think it's easy to think, oh, our ancestors didn't go to the gym and lift weights and all of that stuff. So it's just an extra thing. Why do we have to do it? But we forget that we're sitting all the time now. We're not out plowing the fields manually. We're not out doing milking the cows and like all of these things that we did before. So our entire body structure is in a position that we were never meant for those of us who sit at a desk all day, right? And so we can't just think that this is some extra new age thing that we don't need to do. It's we've never been in this situation before where we're sitting all the time. Yes, 100%. And for those who are listening, who do have desk jobs, who might say, well, I work out once an hour a day. You can't also kill yourself for an hour. One hour of exercise is not going to undo 10 hours of sitting on your butt. It has to be a lifestyle. So it has to literally be like I say to people and it's basic stuff. And we all know this. You can Google this. You know, set your your timer every 55 minutes, get up and walk around for five minutes, do some stretching. Yes, book that walk every lunch hour for a half an hour, get your butt outside, do a yoga video. I don't care, do something, but we should be more because if you weren't at home, majority because of COVID and you were going into the office, there's a pretty good chance you would be up and moving more. You'd be going out for lunch with your colleagues. You'd be walking to the other desk, chatting with him. You would be getting out of your seat. But we sit so much and people are really, really struggling with it. One trick tip that I am trying to do better myself is also two birds with one stone is getting up to fill your water. And so having water at your desk and making sure that you are drinking it so that you have to, when it's empty, you get up and go fill it and even just walking up and down the stairs if you're working from home or whatever, you're working on hydration, which is also important and you're moving. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to some of the other internal benefits of exercise, because this is something that has always, I've been curious about in terms of building muscle and exercising for hormones and something that I focus on a lot is detoxification. So I'm kind of curious in terms of the internal mechanics that it can support. Yeah. When you say detoxification, I'm just thinking more because I mean, I'm not a hormone specialist, which I'm sure you know, but if you're talking about balancing hormones more because, hey, 
Nothing is going to mess up our hormones more than a good old pandemic, have the stress go through the roof, and we're sitting at home and we're isolated. So with the stress levels right now, we're dealing with people are like their cortisol is through the roof. People are just walking around and they're insane. So I understand that when the pandemic first started, there was a lot of, okay, you know, it's all right. You know, it kind of makes sense. People kind of want to curl up in a ball and they want to go, it's okay. And they'll self-soothe and they're not going to move because people don't know what's going on. But now we're almost a year out. So at some point we have to say, okay, it's time to, to move it, move forward. And because of COVID, cortisol is everybody's best friend, especially women who are homeschooling their children. So I The one thing I'm very grateful for is I have two self-sufficient teenagers who I don't have to babysit. But for those of you who have young children, I bow down to you. Absolutely. I'm in that camp. So thank you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So no wonder you want to lift weights. Are you kidding me? Exercise is an amazing, especially lifting is an amazing stress reliever. It really helps to bring those cortisol levels down. However, you also have to be careful of over-exercising, which is a lot of people's response too. So exercise is a positive form of stress, but it still is stress. And when we're going too, too, too much, it's actually counterproductive. And you can increase those cortisol levels even more, okay? And so our cortisol is our fight or flight hormone that is back in the day when we were talking about our ancestors was only excreted under times of stress. But now we're like this all the time. We're big, giant stress balls. So it's like we never get a chance to downregulate. So another great thing is, yes, you want to exercise and you want to try to get it out of your system, but also making sure you balance your sympathetic nervous system with your parasympathetic nervous system. So doing things like yoga, breathing. You know how many times I've told my clients, okay, stop exercising. Stop it. Because they're exercise, I exercise seven days a week. Why in the world are you doing that? I don't do that. Forget it. <laughs> there no. you go, everyone. You're a free pass not to work out <laughs> yeah, every yeah, single yeah. day. Right? Like, so why don't you alternate it? Why don't, like, one day you do your strength training, the next day you do some yoga, right? Balance it. We really, really need that right now instead of like taking the stress and going, woo, 100%. Because again, you might feel it initially a good relief. But now you're just elevating those stress levels even more. So we've got to be careful with that. Another thing is what people don't know is that studies have also shown that you your brain also releases very cynical chemicals when you're exercising that you get an antidepressants. The research is very clear now. What has happened during COVID with mental health, it is heartbreaking, right? So a lot of doctors are recommending instead of putting people on medication right away, why don't you start exercising first? Now, I understand it's kind of like, it's twofold because when There's you're a in a state a. of not feeling, for sure, how do you get up and go when you're feeling in a depressive state? So there's something I use with my clients all the time called the five-second rule. And it, Mel, I heard it first from Mel Robbins. You've got five seconds. If you've got an idea in your head that you know at a logical level is what you should be doing, you're going into action with five, within five seconds before your brain talks you out of it. Because what we do know is that motivation does not supersede action. It's the other way around. People are so, they're waiting to be motivated. I mean, how COVID literally has given us more time, but when you're in a depressive state, you're not seeing that. So take action first, and then you'll be motivated to do more. So when you're exercising, you're getting different hormones that are released like endorphins and dopamine and serotonin, which are your feel-good hormones are making you feel better. And there's a lot of correlation with people who exercise struggle with depression and sadness that much less. 
So definitely there, there is a big connection with exercise and hormones. But again, I understand that when you're in that state, it's hard to get up and go. So if you have an accountability partner, if you have someone who's, you know, who, who can support you and you go into action, you start doing it. It's almost like you have to visualize ahead of time and go, okay, I know I really don't want to work out right now. Like the last thing in the world I want to do is put on my shoes. However, I know every single time after I work out, I feel like a million bucks. And hopefully that's enough to get you up and moving. Yeah, that's great. Great strategy. I go through massive waves of being in that headspace of actually being able to work out. Sometimes I put my workout clothes on and then just can't follow through. (laughs) I'm in this process of uh, giving myself grace, but not a free pass. It's this kind of fine balance, right? And I find that sometimes, because I went every now and then I'll have weeks where I just, I'm too exhausted, can't do it, but I'll go for a walk or I'll do something else. I'll work on my mindfulness practice. I will do something else if working out doesn't feel like it's something that I can handle at a particular time, as opposed to this morning. So I haven't worked out with weights for a while. I've been doing other things, like traveling. (laughs) But this morning (laughs) I came home from drop-off and rage lifted because I had got past that point of being... So blah. And I was just, it was a morning, let me tell you. And I was angry and I was like, I know what I need to do. And uh, now I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. And so I'll get back into the pattern again of working out. So your reminder of the like 72 hour muscle wasting kind of timeline, that'll be another kick in the pants. (laughs) (laughs) So for people who need some sort of motivation. I know it's a heart, like some people work out because they want to lose weight or for me, it was pain. How do you set goals that don't revolve around the scale, but are still kind of measurable enough that you can see progress and track towards progress? I love that question so much. So, you know, it's so interesting. So for years and years, I worked with pre and postnatal women. It was all about just them getting through pregnancy and birth and one piece and not feeling like they're broken, like you had referenced earlier. And then when I transitioned my business online in the last couple of years, and thank God I did it a year before COVID. That's all I have to say is thank the Lord was that people were constantly coming to me for weight loss. And I've never, ever, ever considered myself a weight loss person like that. And I really don't still. Because I understand that's an end goal and I never want to invalidate someone's desire. If they want to lose weight, totally. However, I always ask them why they want to. Why? And then I keep asking, well, why? Oh, oh. And, and it usually comes down to a much deeper rooted feeling. They don't feel confident. They don't want they, their sex drive has gone down the toilet. They don't get undressed in front of their partner or they just they feel achy. They get out of bed. I feel like I'm 100 years old. Every time you know I go to pick up my kid, I can't stand back up. There's all these other ways that it's affecting their lives. And that is what I tell them to keep front and center, right? Keep their whys front and center. You know, there's a reason why the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry because they they give these big grandiose promises of you can lose 10 pounds in a week and da, 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 and you probably can. Okay, fine. It's usually something so extreme that nobody can ever maintain. So then they can't sustain it. And then it becomes a spiral, this yo-yo effect. And so what I, my job is with women is I'm literally trying to change people's lives. I am. I'm trying to change the relationship that they have with their own bodies for them to appreciate themselves from where they are right now before anything changes. And that they do it, they make these changes because they deserve it. That they know that they're just 
just as valuable as everybody else that they're spending all their time with, right? Taking care of their kids or taking care of their partner or taking care of their own parents. Because that those again, that's the age of the clients that I'm working with is like they're in between now, like their kids are gone and now they're taking care of their ailing parents and they're still on the bottom of the list and keeping that front and center. There's It really depends on what their goals are. Yeah. Okay. So I want to lose weight, but maybe I want to get stronger. I want to build some muscle. Uh, like with you, you wanted to get out of pain. So when we are doing those check-ins, okay, how is your pain now? Oh, are you feeling more rested? Oh, do you, w- did you notice when you bent over and picked up your kid, your back didn't hurt anymore? These are the things that we want to make sure that we're keeping front and center and reminding, because the thing is, is if, and I remember this, so about a year ago, I had a client. And when I work with my clients, I tell them that stepping on the scale is optional for them because it can be very triggering for some people. Some people want to measure on the scale. Okay. But I also say, but you have to own that and, and, and be okay that if it doesn't tell you what you wanted to say, that you can change your mind. So I had this one client who decided she's only going to weigh herself once a month because every week was freaking her out. And I said, absolutely. And because I, I say, I certainly don't believe in weighing yourself every day. I don't even own a scale. Okay, good for you. Neither do I. Like, I have no idea. Anyways, she, I, I had a check-in call. I'm like, how's it going? She goes, I'm feeling great. Like, she just gave me this whole list. I have more energy. My knee doesn't hurt anymore. Blah, 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 blah. She goes, but you know what, Sam? I said, what? She goes, I stepped on the scale and I only lost four pounds. And I was like, what? And I said, do you know what you just did? She I said, you just invalidated everything that you just set up until that point. You just told me how great you felt and this and that and blah, blah, blah. She goes, yeah, but I was hoping that the scale would reflect that. And I was like, actually, correction, the scale does not reflect your success. Absolutely not. What would you do if you didn't have a scale? You'd still feel fantastic. And so that's why, you know, if a lot of women say to me that, they want to lose weight because of X. I want to feel better. I want to feel more confident. I want to have less pain and all those things. That's everything that my client said to me. So in actuality, she was really starting to reach a lot of her goals, but she had associated her success with a number on the scale, which is such a dangerous place to go because it looks so different for everybody. Because I, you know, when people say to me, I want to lose 50 pounds, why? Okay, because I want this. And then I'll say to them, okay, well, what if you reach that and you only lose 20? Does it matter? I'm like, oh, good point. So again, I would never, I'm never going to say to somebody, oh, well, you shouldn't lose weight and all that other stuff. And because it's a very, it's a very touchy subject right now, especially with the body confidence movement. But I also believe that what somebody wants to do with their body is nobody else's business. Okay. And as long as you're not allowed to comment on somebody else's body. And so I want to support people from where they are, but if they make sure that they have a why, and that's what they focus on, everything else is kind of like icing on the cake. If your body is wants to lose weight, it will happen during the process. Does that make sense? That was a long answer for your question. Totally. No, it totally makes sense. <laughs> and it the scale is driven into us kind of as this goal. And I remember at one point I had very little muscle. And when I started training, I was actually gaining weight. And I was like, yeah, I was feeling better. Stuff was fitting better. I was seeing like some muscle and then I would step on the scale and it's that same thing. And it was like, I couldn't help myself, but feel deflated, even though I had already recognized these other benefits. So I think the scale, yeah, it can be a useful tool for some people. And if it works for you, great. But 
I think it's really important to recognize those other benefits. And I love your people who have worked with me will recognize that why exercise, because it's the exact same thing that I do with my clients. Because a lot of people say, oh, you know, I want to reduce toxins to be healthy. Why do you want to be healthy? What does that look like for you? All Mm -hmm. of these things. So it's really important Mm -hmm. when you have a goal to really drill down into it because our surface level, usually what we first come up with is A, isn't enough to keep you motivated and B, usually isn't what you're looking for at all. Exactly. Yep. Totally. 100%. Yeah. Because if someone, if if someone says they want to lose 20 pounds and they do, but they still have no energy, they're grouchy, they want to kill their kids, they're in pain, then what's the point? Yeah. You lost 20 pounds but you didn't get what you were hoping the 20 pounds was going to give you. You talk a lot about mindset in such a tough love kind of way. You're somewhat unforgiving on your social feeds, but I love it because you really make people think differently about things. Mm -hmm. What do you see as the most common block that people have that stops them from working on their fitness? F-E-A-R. Fear. Of what? Everything. Failing. COVID, what if, oh my God, money, commitment, time, everything. I mean, people, I mean, before COVID, you know, the biggest excuse was I don't have time. And like I said earlier, now COVID has literally handed you time. Here you go on a platter. And I know some people are listening are like, are you kidding? I've got kids, 10 kids running around me, smashing things. I understand. But if you really think about it, you're also not converting back and forth. Like we literally have been given more time. It is a choice on how you choose to use this extra time. People are just standing in their own way and they're living in fear. And COVID certainly isn't helping, but fear feeds fear. And what we have to remember is that we have to take 100% responsibility for where we are right now. So when people say, well, Sam, I can't this, I can't that. I said, what your results are right now are just a reflection of all the choices you've made up until now. So if you want something different, you got to make different choices. And yes, it's a hard truth. And a lot of people don't want to hear it. And I am very opinionated. I totally get it. And that's why I'm not for everybody. But you know, you just have to ask yourself, like, how do you want to live? Because eventually you're going to have to go in this big, bad world, however the way that looks. And how do you want to show up in there? Do you want to spend the next one, two, three, 10 years trying to make up for all the things that you didn't do when you had the chance? And and something people really hate hearing is that there's always people who are worse off than us. Always. They have more children. They have less time. They have more demands. And they're making it happen. And the sad reality is, and this already in your work as well, is that once something happens, like they have some sort of a health scare all of a sudden, they have the time, totally. but nobody ever thinks it's going to happen to them. And there's just this, this waiting game of once this happens, then I'll be ready. And once this happens, you will never be ready. There will never be the perfect time. Never, never, never. And I say that to every client who even signs up with me. I said, you understand that now you finally made the decision. You've ripped off the bandaid. You've said, yep, I'm doing it. Guarantee within the next two weeks, something big is going to happen. <laughs> You're reading that the universe could come and knock you in the head and go, are you sure? And the people always, I was like, how how does that happen? It's like, because it's like, you're being challenged because you're being pushed so outside your comfort zone that it's like that old belief system wants to pull you back and go, no, you don't want to do that. That's hard. Don't you just like struggling and just being this way? And the sad truth is much as people say they they're unhealthy, they want to change. They've been doing it for so long. It's like, they know how to do that, but it's that fear of the unknown. What if I go for it? and it doesn't work. How about instead of what if I go for it, and it does, or I learn something, or I grow, 
or I don't have pain anymore or whatever that is. But we're so good at going to the negative. And this past year has not helped with that at all, which is really sad. And I know that last little section was probably triggering for somebody, some people. I encourage you that if it was triggering to sit with it and Mm -hmm. we can so easily get in a reaction state and default to excuses and the why this doesn't apply to me and why it's not possible. And it very well might be the case for you. We don't know your story. Mm -hmm. However, there is always room to hear hard things, even if your situation might be tough or challenging. And so I encourage you, if you felt like you were getting high blood pressure and you wanted to like choke Samantha through your (laughs) earbuds, I do encourage you to sit with it because I know Samantha and she's saying it with love, tough love. But I think sometimes we need to go, we need to hear things to shake things up a bit. And that is another reason why I asked you on the show, because I knew, (laughs) I know you're opinionated (laughs) and I think it's important to hear things from people who aren't afraid to mince words. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? I think about what you just said. Some people might say, well, I'm not able to. Everybody is able to do 1% better. Yep. Every day. So I think of that book, Atomic Habits. I love it. And he talks about how creating these little habits is like investing money, right? Yes. More and more, you just add a little bit over time, you start seeing the fruits of your labor. You do, right? But initially you won't. And I understand too, that's very frustrating for a lot of people. Again, we live in a instant gratification world. That's why people sign up for 30 day this and diet this and whatever it is. Like I want instant results right now so I can do it for 30 days kill myself, and then hopefully can get back on track. And that's not the way it works. For people who say they don't have time, you have two minutes where you can actually drink a glass of water. You do. You have five minutes when you can go outside and put, or even if you can't get outside because you're a single mom, you've got two kids, you can't leave them. You're going to walk around with the kids around circles in your house or something. There's always something you can do to bring you that much closer and make your health a priority. Because it is true If you don't and something happens, miraculously, you're going to find the time to make your health a priority there. And that's what we want to avoid. We've got to stop being this society of always medicating and reacting. And what can we do? How about let's now be uh, preventative? Let's look ahead and go, okay, what can I do now to hopefully, if I do get ill, I can manage it better. It's the whole ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Oh, one million percent. Right. One million percent. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Thank you so much for joining me today, Samantha. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. If people would like more of your tough love, how (laughs) do you work with clients and where can people go to learn more from you? Well, you can, I'm everywhere as Sam Core Trainer. So that's my website, samcoretrainer.com. On Facebook, I'm at Sam Core Trainer. Instagram, Twitter, at Sam Core Trainer. But I really encourage uh, ladies who want to just hear more and just have a little bit of a challenge every week. I do have uh, my free Facebook group, SCT, which stands for Sam Core Trainer, uh, for ladies only. I do weekly challenges in there. 
and like, don't worry, they're not burpees or anything crazy <laughs> like that. <laughs> As I personally don't even enjoy burpees myself, but they're just little weekly challenges of little things you can do to just make your health and your life better. And it's a free, it's a great community. And yeah, I'm always there for anybody who just, who knows they need that kick in the pants to focus on themselves, but maybe they just, they're tired of doing it alone. Awesome. And I will pop all of those links in the show notes if you would like to connect with Sam so you can do that easily from there. Thanks again. Wait, before you go, I have a quick favor to ask. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and like what you've heard, please take a moment to hit subscribe and leave a five-star rating and a written review. You can do it right from the app. It takes just a sec and really helps me to be able to continue to share this important information with more people. Plus, you might just get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks so much and bye for now.